You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jessica O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here with my partner in life and in crime. I'm here providing some advice. Brandon Ware. <laughs> I didn't introduce myself. Yes, Brandon here. He's still working on this. Yeah, don't, I don't have it down yet. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty good. And uh, before we get started today, we have a number of questions from listeners. We're going to try and power through as many of them as we can. And we appreciate all of you who are reaching out on Twitter, on Instagram, via the website, sending in your questions. And I have a little bit of a backlog, so I haven't gotten to all of them, but we're going to do our best today. And I want to say a big thank you to at Desire Resorts. Desire Resorts, they have two amazing clothing optional locations down on the Mayan Riviera, as well as a cruise leaving from, I believe it's Monte Carlo. I know I'm going on it. They have a couple coming up, yeah. yeah. One, I believe, leaving out of Monte Carlo, and the other one is, is it Greece? The Greek islands. Greek islands. Yeah, so we will be at Desire in October. Brandon will be there. I will. He's not bringing a bag because you don't have to wear clothes. I bring limited pieces of clothing. Yeah, to go to dinner. Yes. Yes. So a big thank you to Desire Resorts. We're big fans of theirs. We have a great time when we're there. It changed our lives about 12 years ago. About that. Yeah, and uh, now I work with them, and I'm very, very happy to partner with them. So check them out at Desire Resorts. Alrighty. I have this list of questions that we're going to go through some of them are pretty straightforward. This first one, actually, these, this is two questions from two separate listeners. How do I know if I've had an orgasm? And then somebody else asks, how can I be sure that my partner has had an orgasm? Is this a person who identifies as a male or female who asks that question? I'm not sure. It could come from anyone. I mean, how do because you know? Because I know when I've finished. <laughs> how do you know? Because I'm asleep. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Not really. Because it's sticky. <laughs> okay, I was going to say sleep, but I certainly know when I'm done. Well, and I joke about being sticky, but you've had an orgasm without ejaculating. Brandon Ware, open book. Yeah, do you mind? No, sure. Why not? There's no going back now. No, yeah. I mean, it's not like we can rewind this. No, no. There's nope, no going no back. Rewind. Live to air. It's not live. Uh, we often think, think that people with a penis have an orgasm once they ejaculate, but that's not always the case. It's mostly the case for you. I'm, I'm like 99% of the time. 99.999. Yeah. 99. 99. <laughs> uh, but you've had an orgasm without ejaculating, and I remember you weren't sure what it was. So what was that to you? I'm trying to remember because I rem only because we've had conversations on this podcast where I've been put on the spot about faking um, an orgasm and a few other things, but what I remember about it was that it was the weirdest sort of sensation in a good way. Um, not really knowing exactly what was going on, but... It just felt really nice, but nothing came out. Yeah, thank you for putting that into words. Is that what you meant? Pretty much. <laughs> Did you do... I know it was a while ago. Do you remember feeling the pulsing sensation, sort of, or a contraction? Yeah, it felt like what you would expect an orgasm to feel like, only without the byproduct <laughs> <laughs> without the spider-man yeah with the, yes exactly where you catch it and fling it across the room so you know your body is doing its normal thing you know you're doing your convulsing <laughs> and whatnot um so so to give you 
to answer the question, how do I know if I've had an orgasm? So this tends to be a question that comes from people who identify as women, people with vulvas and clitorises. And an orgasm is essentially a buildup and release of muscular tension. You often feel it with a rush of pleasure in your genitals, but maybe in other parts of your body as well. You might feel pulsations of the pelvic floor muscles that surround your vagina and anus or around your penis at the same time. But ultimately, if you feel a big peak in tension and then a really significant, like a release, then you've probably had an orgasm. And I think a lot of us get confused about orgasms because in porn, an orgasm is earth shattering. The screams are mirror and glass breaking shrieks of pleasure. And in real life, I mean, I say this all the time, an orgasm can be so pleasurable, intensely satisfying, but just feel like, ah, like a big release. Yeah, no, I know when I'm, mine's pretty much the same over and over with varying degrees of intensity. Like sometimes it's a 10, sometimes it's a five, nothing to do with necessarily your partner. Um, I actually find it a little fascinating that some people don't know or haven't had one. I would imagine that most of the people that haven't or are are unsure, would you say are people who identify as women? Yes, because... Because most of the guys I know know when they've done their thing. There's an orgasm gap. So men are more likely, people with penises are more likely to orgasm. Uh, But it's interesting because I am encountering many people who identify as men who have trouble orgasming too. And so it may have to do with, for instance, antidepressants. Yeah, and but having the or having the orgasm. Yeah. I think most men would identify as either you have it or you don't have it. The difficulty of having one is probably different. Yes, as opposed scenario, to being able to, as opposed dis- to describing it. discern whether you've had one. Yeah, but that's another issue we could talk about actually. Uh, difficulty reaching orgasm for men as well because we often frame it as a very female centric challenge, but I see a lot of men, especially men who work a lot, who are very distracted, who have a lot on their minds. You, you've been through I that. know you're, you're taking me, you're leading me down the, the pathway here for me to, to have this discussion about, yeah, man, I've struggled with it. I have, um, like completing the task and it's because man, sometimes I've got so much going on in my mind. It, years and years and years ago, I was on medication and I just could not finish. And it was an SSRI. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, um, it took, it, it was like after 30 or 40 minutes or maybe it just seemed to Dear be that long God. in my mind. Oh I was my like, gosh, 30, okay, I'm done. And actually that was probably when I may have faked it because I was like, I just can't keep going. Like I just can't mentally. It was there physically. Like my body was responding the way that it should. I just could not finish right and I was like okay oh yeah I'm done oh it's so good thank you it's amazing so that was you know yeah I think most people have faked an orgasm at some point in time definitely women are more likely to have faked it and I don't think that faking an orgasm is always the worst thing I I think that you know overwhelmingly you don't want to be faking orgasms but if once in a while you're exaggerating and it works for you and you don't feel pressure to do it, so be it. You do you. Agreed. All right. So that's hopefully that answers your question. Oh, babe, how do you know if I've had an orgasm? Because I ask you. 
Oh, and it's and it actually it bugs you. Yeah, it annoys me a little if you say like, "Have you come?" Well, I don't really say it like that. Have you come? 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 I look to your body for the responses I would anticipate. Like what? Like saying, "Have you come?" <laughs> no, but no. you do. You can sort of tell. I know when you have and when you haven't. I'm oftentimes think you know. focused on helping you get there. Yeah, I can do it. I know you can, but I'm just <laughs> saying that I, you know, I'm aware of where you are in the process. I feel like I need to like make this conversation so scientific. No, you don't. So yeah, I know. I'm looking for whether or not you've come and how. Well, I, I know how you go about achieving <laughs> orgasm. How do I do it? Do you really want me to explain? I don't know. No, maybe we'll save that for another podcast. Okay, how but about Dr. I, Jess I, comes? Yeah, exactly. There's not only one way, though. Well, there's one way in my mind. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm looking for the physiological responses when we're having sex, which sounds, so, again, so scientific, but I'm looking for certain ways that you respond and uh, and once I know that you've responded that way, I typically assume that you've orgasmed. Okay, okay. I won't make you say the specifics, and maybe they're not that useful anyways, because what mine look like may not be what someone else looks like. Agreed. So that was supposed to be a simple question. Um, I want to move on to another. This person says, I'm sure you've gotten this question often, but I would love to hear your thoughts. My wife and I are in our 30s. We've been in a monogamous relationship for eight years, married for three, no kids, our sex drives are very mismatched. My sex drive is much higher than hers. It's been this way for a long time. It's a bit of a hardship at times. We're very open and communicate about sex-related topics frequently, so there's no shame or embarrassment communicating. However, my wife doesn't know if we will ever have the same sex drive, and we would like to know what are some ways to cope with this. So I think every single couple is going to experience differentials in desire at some point in the relationship because our appetites for sex are as individual as our fingerprints and I always say it would be ludicrous to try and eat the same meals in the same quantity at the exact same time as one other person in the world every day for the rest of your life. So similarly you can't expect to share the perfectly balanced libido without conflict or compromise. And even if your levels of desire are similar today, they may peak at different times. And, you know, the practical elements of your life, whether it's job, family, social responsibilities, will always, they'll inevitably create differences. So these disparities, they're not an indication of incompatibility. Um, but I understand that they can be frustrating. So the first thing I think involves an acknowledgement that neither of you is right or wrong and that you need to have a mutual willingness to work on this discrepancy because the predictor of sexual compatibility is not libido. It's really the willingness to put in a similar amount of effort to make it fulfilling. So if you can focus on the quality of your sex life um, along with the quantity, I don't want to dismiss and say that frequency doesn't matter. I do suggest you go back and listen to our podcast on sexual frequency and try the exercise that I recommend in that podcast. Um, but you don't want to get too hung up on numbers. So to bring Brandon into the discussion, we run into this all the time. Heck yeah. I think we're kind of at that place right now. I would agree that we are. I'm in the midst of starting a new company. I've been saying this. I've been doing it for a few months. 
Um, juggling a lot of balls. Probably shouldn't. You do juggle a lot of balls. I juggle many balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's six, so just let him have it. Yeah. Anyway. What color and, are your balls? Yeah, let's go there. So, you know, they're blue. No. Um, <laughs> I have, I, I am I am easily distracted when it comes to work and other things. They kind of consume a lot of my, of my, uh, the bandwidth in my mind. And it takes away from my ability to focus in on sex. And we've had this conversation again, open book, that for me to get into the mood, I need to be relaxed. And oftentimes with my work and with other things, I'm not relaxed. So the quantity component takes a back seat in our sex life, or it, it doesn't, it's not always, we're, we're both in agreement that we don't always have as much sex as we'd like. Yeah. And I At think, least I feel that way. Like right now, I want a lot of sex for some reason. Yep. <laughs> And I'm busy. Okay. I'm not too busy. I'm busy too. I know you're very busy, but I'm, okay, maybe busy isn't the word. I don't like using the word busy. I'm distracted. I'm uh, I'm constantly being kind of pulled in 18 different directions at any given point. And that does take away from my ability to kind of get into the mood, get into the moment, that mindfulness, that presence that you need to have to really be, uh, to, to enjoy it and to engage and to take pleasure in it. So Whereas, right now, yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm, I don't have the same sex drive or desire that you do, I would say. Whereas with me, even though I'm swamped, even though I'm launching new projects. Yeah, you're like, let's do it now. Yeah, like I don't really need the work up as much, I don't think. Like when I'm stressed out, I want sex. And it's difficult for me to even have this conversation. I don't know if difficult is the word, but it... it well, at least if we're doing it, it with lots of people Yeah, listening. well, I mean, at least with a bunch of people listening. <laughs> but it is... I mean, a lot of people would think it's emasculating for me to have this conversation because I want sex less than my partner does. But frankly, I don't have a problem. I'd rather admit it. I'd rather have a conversation about it um, than to be concerned about it, than to be afraid of what that means. Because when your partner's there to, to work on it with you or to have a discussion with you to support you your fears are alleviated and you've met, we've mentioned that before you specifically have said something is so much worse until you talk about it and once you talk right. about it it gets a lot easier and it's not as uh, you you can you, you're disarming yeah disarming. you're right there's powerful shame in secrecy so if we just held it in it would be a problem so this couple already says that they're really open about the conversation so let's talk about the practical things so i seem to want it a little bit more right now and that won't last let me tell you like I go up and down really really often and if it does that's cool I can play with it I can try and keep up (laughs) (laughs) so what are we doing right now what are we doing that's a great question I'm not I'm not focused enough on acknowledging and probably helping you right but the other day like you weren't in the mood so I wasn't in the mood and I went upstairs and did it (laughs) you make it sound so good was it (laughs) you know what I didn't, it wasn't like I wasn't consenting, but I wasn't in the mood. It was the middle of the day and I went upstairs and was, I kind of put myself into the mood. Oh, okay. And then another... And it was great, by the way. Oh, what was it? I don't remember. It was for me. I don't remember it. I don't remember if I uh, focused on you that day. (laughs) Well, so sometimes you, the lower desire partner can have sex when they're not in the mood. Just like sometimes the higher desire partner cannot have sex. And I should also, pre- I should have prefaced that statement by saying, you didn't make me feel bad about not wanting it. No, you I begged s- for it. Well, you were, yes. <laughs> and you were also saying, if you're not interested, can you take care of me? Well, and that's, I think, where I was trying to get. 
is that if one of you is not in the mood for intercourse, we have to broaden our definition of sex to include lots of different pleasurable activities. Um, many of them may lead to orgasm, some of them may not. But if you're not in the mood and I'm in the mood, you use your hands, you use a toy, you use... Sexy dance. Well, Maybe, yeah. let me tell yeah. you how that won't do it for me. <laughs> you want to put me out of the mood? Do a sexy dance. <laughs> And call it a sexy yeah, dance. Yeah, that's what I call it too. I just should never use the word sexy. <laughs> Baby, do you want a sexy dance? Do you want a sexy dance? <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so I no longer have a high sex drive. Boom, problem solved. <laughs> so I, I think that sometimes you put yourself in the mood because sexual desire doesn't always occur on its own. Sometimes you have to be aroused first. So sometimes I have to do things to arouse you. Like a sexy dance. Like a sexy dance. <laughs> From now on, it's just a dance. Um, sometimes you have to do things to arouse yourself, or you opt to. Sometimes you just use other parts of your body and help a brother out, help a sister <laughs> out. <laughs> right? You should have at me next time. Hey, help a sister out over here. But I think I'll literally come up to you and say, babe, can you do me a favor and get me off? Yeah. Right? And I help too. It's not like I'm saying you have to service me. And I no, leave and you it, a tip. And, and it's done... Like, we both benefit from it. Yeah, well, actually, that happens with us. You're not in the mood, and then I ask you to get me off, and then you decide that you're in the mood. And I'm like, oh, not you too, just it's me. It's hard to not get in the mood when you're helping somebody else orgasm. Right. Right? So, and if you don't end up getting in the mood, that cool. But chances are, if you kind of just push yourself a little, at least for me, I find if I push myself a little bit in that direction, all of a sudden, I'm into it. You know, I, I, I may not have been for the, you know, the five, the 10, the 20 minutes before, but once Why are you making start, it out like we do this for hours? Yeah, no, no, no. We don't. I'm talking about the before. I'm saying for the, t oh, like I while was you're working before working. downstairs okay, okay, okay. and then I get upstairs. I'm like, yeah, okay. 60 seconds later. I'm like, I'm into it. <laughs> and then 60 seconds later, I'm like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I only need 60 seconds. Um, so, so that's another thing. You can take care of your partner. Uh, I don't want the onus to fall on the person with lower interest in sex uh, it's not about them just coming up sometimes if you're in the mood and your partner isn't go take care of yourself of course nothing wrong with twisting off a batch of knuckle children there you go i mean sometimes your sex drive is higher than mine yeah because because we've been together so long that we've just seen the ups and downs and i think that's why you don't feel emasculated when i have like a little period of high libido yeah it's also acknowledging it i've recognized it I've I've wondered whether or not I'm like oh is something wrong with me no and then you know what two weeks two months later there's a different dynamic you're annoying us. with the poke from behind every morning That's how every we do. night That's yeah how we do and then I think the other thing to look at is um, for the person with lower desire if you want to have higher desire and you're not required to have higher desire but if you want to because you are in a monogamous relationship and you want to make an effort to meet your partner's needs. Sometimes there are lifestyle factors that you can adjust to increase your libido. So it, it could be that you need to get more sleep or that you need yeah. to eat a diet that gives you more energy or that you need to exercise so you're get a be getting a better night's sleep. Maybe you feel more comfortable with your body. It's not about changing your body. It's just about feeling good. And, so, and then you also have to adjust the practical elements of your life. Like one thing is, Brennan, I'll get really upset at you. Like I get very frustrated if you're working – till 11 o'clock at night on your phone 
then chances are your mind isn't on me. You're not present with me. And don't don't get this twisted. Like, this goes both ways. I'm certainly, I find myself yeah, in this Yeah, you're equally as bad, if you and, want to call it that, in yeah. terms of working long Yeah, hours. and attached to our phones. But, like, we have had rules where we try and turn off our phone at a certain time. Um, and let me, let, we should also say, far from perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we certainly <laughs> have our moments where we are on the phone in the bedroom. And, yeah. and we kind of catch yourself. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, just... Don't get too irritated about it. Just put it downstairs right. and start again. Yeah. And so I think there might be things that you can adjust in your lifestyle. Like I think when you're stressed out, there are things I can do to alleviate that stress. So I'd tell this person, are there things you can do to support your partner to have a lifestyle that is more conducive to desiring sex? Um like if I look at mothers, for instance, and I realize this person doesn't have children, but mothers are exhausted by the end of the day because they do are they are burdened with a disproportionate share of unpaid labor. And the data continues to confirm that even among young people who value gender equality, young women and young mothers are still doing more around the house. They're still organizing more. They're still more engaged in their It's like two full-time kids. jobs. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't exceptions. So please don't you know email me and tell me you do just as much as your partner. Sure, maybe you're the exception. But overall, this is the way it goes. Yeah, these are sweeping statements yeah well no they're but they're you know rooted in data so is there something you can do to take something off your partner's plate and I'm not suggesting that this person you know isn't pulling their weight but in many cases it's just a matter of lifestyle stress like they're working too hard and if you really are a team you have to let things balance out like when you've been really busy over the course of our relationship I've had to pick up the slack at home Mm-hmm. And now that I am always gone and on the road, I know that you carry the burden of so much that goes on around this house and with our family. So I know that when I come home, I have to make not make up for it, but I want to alleviate some of that stress. And I know that for you, it's it's mostly about alleviating stress. Yes, it is definitely. If you can eliminate my stress then I can get into the mood a whole lot easier. Right, and that's why I help with your business and stuff like that. And yeah. So I think that I, if you can think of ways to just alleviate their burden, um, their workload, their stress, that might be one thing. But also, you know, go easy on yourself. Focus on the quality, not the quantity. Don't get hung up and count the days or weeks or months because you're going to get resentful and you're going to start treating sex like a chore and that's not the direction you want to go in. And it already sounds like you're in a, in a really good place. So just... Let me reassure you that you're normal, and then think about ways your partner can participate in your getting off, even when they're not in the mood, whether it's a hand, or a mouth, or a toy, or even just lying next to you, or being a part of the experience. Or because... the dance. Okay. The dance. Let's go back or to the that. the dance. Yeah, Brandon really... Well, if anyone would like a sexy dance from Brandon, we're auctioning that off. It's going to really suck. <laughs> okay, I want to squeeze in a few more questions before we go. This is a really simple one, and I keep getting questions about anal numbing creams for anal sex. And I, I posted about this on Instagram recently. This person, like so many others, says, I've had anal, but it hurt. Should I try a numbing cream? And so I recommend that you don't try a numbing cream Because even though in and of themselves their content may not be dangerous, the fact that they have a desensitizing effect can increase your risk of getting hurt during anal sex or any other type of sex. Because when you numb and impede your nerve endings from sending pain messages to the brain, you can't know when you're actually hurt. And the inability to perceive pain 
makes you more likely to, you know, have a little tear. And the anus is really sensitive and thin-skinned, very prone to small tears, which increase the risk of infection. So you don't want to temporarily numb your butt. And remember that when you numb your butt, by extension, you're numbing whatever else you're putting in or around your butt. So whether that's a toy, a finger, a penis, or tongue. So you're probably not going to stop when you experience a little tear, and you're more likely to experience pain once the cream's effects wear off. So instead, get really turned on because when you're aroused, it has a very palliative effect on the body as the body floods with oxytocin. Do things that feel really good. Don't just focus on the anus. Um, work the outside. Make sure if you're putting something in your partner's butt that you've put something in your own butt too so you know what it feels like. Brandon, mm. like you've had stuff in your butt. Have I? Yeah. Are you joking? I've put things in your butt. Really? Are you kidding right now? No, I'm not. Oh, my God. How long has it been? Apparently a long time. Oh, my. Well, we need to put something in your butt tonight. Maybe it's on the list. I have the ditto. I have the ditto toy. Okay. Has it really been? Like, what are you? Did I get concussed? Oh my god, I'm concussed right now, but I still remember <laughs> a finger. I'm in not the disputing butt. the fact that it's happened. I don't know why everybody gets all upset about, like, guys get upset about in the butt. Well, actually, that's a big thing because this other guy says, I'm totally straight, but my wife wants to try putting something in my ass. I know it doesn't make me gay, but I can't seem to get over the idea that straight guys don't do it. And I was hoping you would talk about the times you've had stuff in your butt, but why do you not remember? No, I, I, I'm trying to remember right now, and I'm sure it will come to me. Like a Zing! Oh, oh boom. Ah, oh, yes. I now recall. What are you, you're being super, are you being weird no, about No, 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 I swear. I Honestly, I forgot for a minute. I did. Now I remember. I do. Are you joking? No, I'm serious. I feel like you're messing with me. And it's it's such a ridiculous association to think that something in your butt makes you gay because no sex act or combination of sex acts determines whether you're straight or gay. Your sexual orientation or bi or however you identify, your sexual orientation is something personal and it's a core part of your identity that doesn't change because of one specific act. And I don't know, do you have any hangups about butt stuff? No, I don't have any hangups about butt stuff. I don't know why people do associate the two, um, like being gay and something in your but yeah, it's kind of it, it is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah, I don't. I'm not berating this right this person writing in at all. Um, but it's it's a cultural thing that's ridiculous, not your individual views. Well, I mean, when you want when you look at some of the movies that joke around about it, they always joke around about how for men that's one of the biggest sources of potential pleasure. Right, because you've got you can access the prostate. Yeah, through the butt. That's why I thought you'd remember the. Anyhow, I'm not going to make Brandon speak explicitly, <laughs> explicitly about, about his it. sexual experience. So for those of you that don't know Brandon, now you know everything about him. No, but that's yeah, not no, much. no, no. I have, I have. Yeah, we've we've done stuff before. Um, but you drew. Did you block it out because you didn't like no, it? No, no, no. I didn't block it out. I mean, but I know you didn't really like it. No, it was it wasn't. Maybe I wasn't relaxed enough. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. But and and you're really hung up about hygiene. 100%. Like you're really, Brennan has to have multiple showers. You do though. <laughs> yeah. But Wait. I do think that there is, there are hangups around it. I mean, I remember growing up, and, you know, people thinking certain things and like men, you know, thinking certain things about 
anal sex or even just a guy having something like having his ass touched or yeah. played with. And it's pretty homophobic. Yeah. Is what of it boils down it to. Like a lot of the jokes in movies are homophobic. Um, so I wouldn't worry about putting things in your butt. Use lots and lots of lube, get super turned on and like everything. I would start slow. Wow. Yeah. Like I just, what I mean is like, just don't like, like, do you have any suggestions? Yeah. I mean, I have, I, I have lots of resources on anal sex. Um, and certainly, yeah, go slow, start with something small, breathe, get to know your inner and outer sphincter. I don't have time to go over it all right now. But yeah, you need to be relaxed, and the more turned on you are, the better it will feel. And at the same time, you don't have to do everything. Regardless of gender, you don't have to put things in your butt if you don't want to put things in your butt. Just like you don't have to play with the G-spot if you don't like the G-spot played with. So you be into whatever you're into, and don't apologize. But, oh, here's the other thing I want to say. Not all gay guys put things in their butt. That's the other thing. So the idea that anal sex is exclusively the domain of gay men. And here's another thing. Hetero guys always want to put their penises up their their female partner's butts, but they don't want things in their own butts. Well, you just said that. You were like, if you want to do something to someone else, how about you, you have it done to yourself first so that you know what it feels like. Yeah. So if you're so big on having anal sex and ramming your penis into your partner's butt. Hopefully you don't ram it, but yes. Well, insert it then. Yeah. Or you can ram it if that's what they're If that's into. your thing. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe you should consider having it done to you first so that you know how quickly to go and how hard to go right, and, and whatnot. Because I guarantee you that you probably won't do it or you'll do it more gently, at least initially. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's so, a really good point. No, that that is. So can I ask you, I don't know if you'll like this question. So I know I've had things up your butt. Have you put a finger up your butt? No, I don't think so. Oh, no? Hold on. Medically, I have. You yourself? Yeah. You had to insert something? Yep. Oh, that wasn't fun, was it? No, that was not enjoyable. Oh. That was not something that I took pleasure and in. And we won't talk about your brother's story about the finger oh up his butt. Oh my gosh. If my bro is listening, I'm going to keep... Yeah, I'm going to bite my tongue. We're just going to zip our lips. But a Burger King N is part of the story. Next question. <laughs> All right. I want to get to this last question because I think it's an important one. I often talk about the three Fs. So the three conversations you need to have with your partner um, around sex, just to get the sexual communication started. And the three Fs stand for feelings, frequency, and fantasy. So you've probably, I'm sure I've referenced that in a previous podcast. And this listener says, Jess, you say that it's important to talk about your fantasies with your partner. And I've heard you offer advice that we use pop culture to start a conversation like, for instance, ask her about fantasies while we're watching Game of Thrones. But I've tried this and it doesn't work. I've asked my girlfriend numerous times what she's into and she just won't open up. She shuts down. She says she has fantasies but doesn't want to talk about them. Hmm. So I'm going to start because I think every time you have a question that revolves around your partner and their behavior, I always suggest that you bring it back to yourself first. So I want to remind you, with, with all, all respect, that the way you ask a question or solicit information can determine the way in which your partner responds. And so just like the five love languages, the way you expressed 
the way you express interest needs to be in a manner that your partner understands. So I'll start here. Maybe the word fantasy itself is what's putting her off in the first place. Maybe you change your language to something like sexual thoughts or scenes that turn her on and you might get a different result. And we're seeing, I see this in in marketing, in industry, they adjust their language to fit the times and suit their audience. So for instance, you know, people who do crafts, they're not crafters or artisans, they're creators. Now we call a diet a cleanse. People who consider themselves smart or learned don't use the word nerds, they now use the word geeks, and geek is cool. You know, I see fake leather is now marketed as vegan leather. So when you think about it from a, because I'm always thinking kind of from a corporate standpoint, it's all about how you package it. So I do wonder if maybe the word fantasy makes her not want to elaborate further. It's a vegan thought. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I like vegan leather. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, yeah. You can go into store and buy purses that are vegan leather. Uh, so, And then they can charge a lot more because fake leather used to be really cheap, but now it's vegan leather. But why, so it's all fancy. Why do you even, I mean, if you're, if you're vegan, why do you even, anyway, need to use the word leather? Why is that aspirational? That's interesting. Well, I guess that's just cultural. Deep thoughts with Brandon Ware. Ah, fashion with Brandon Ware. Another topic. <laughs> so, and then the other thing I want to say is, can you be more specific with your questions? Because you say you ask her what she's into, but can you be more specific and say, does that scene turn you on? Do you like what they're doing? Do you like that position? Do you enjoy the setting? Do you feel anything in response to the sounds they're making? Do you want me to kiss you or hold you or throw you around like that when you're watching TV? So if you could build from these simple, specific questions as opposed to open-ended questions, like what are you into, I think you'll get a more meaningful response. It's sort of like food. If I ever ask Brandon what he wants for dinner, he always says whatever I want. Or Jamaican food. Okay, but yes, that's true. But if I say, do you want tacos or stir fry, he'll give me a specific answer. So I'm not saying you, it has to be multiple choice, but I think the more specific, the better. So that's my, my first two tips. Change your language, be specific, and then ask how she wants to feel as opposed to what she wants to do. So if you can look into the feelings associated with a fantasy and give options like, do you want to feel powerful? Do you want to feel taken care of? Not that the two are mutually exclusive. Do you want to feel worshipped? Do you want to feel challenged? And then you can learn a little bit more about how she wants to feel and get into the specifics of how to make her feel that way. And then I think also you need to give her permission to share because here's where I struggle. Sometimes I hold back because I'm not sure if Brandon will be comfortable with something, because I don't want to upset him. If the fantasy involved doesn't involve him, I don't want to make him jealous. I don't want him to be shocked. Maybe she doesn't want to feel judged. So make sure that there's lots of reassurance of whatever you're into, I'm open to hearing it, even if I'm not open to doing it. Yeah, and I mean, put your ego aside for a minute. Remember that this is number one, just like for me, number one is just fantasy. It's just a thought. It doesn't have to be real. 
and number two is is just kind of like accept that this is something that your your partner enjoys even if they don't enjoy it forever and ever they're enjoying it in the moment so if it's not hurting you or it's not hurting you at the moment roll with it yeah and it's interesting because i i know i hold back like that's something we've talked about yeah and sometimes i have to pry to get stuff out of you yeah and 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 i'm trying different things and i know sometimes the things that i'm saying are not doing it for you oh my god yeah sometimes i think you have no clue what my fantasy yeah i'm are. like how about this and you're like yeah no you should just shut up yeah and i'm like done i'm like less talky less talky <laughs> less talky more movement um but I, I, I know that we struggle with this, and sorry, and I know that Brandon and I were having these conversations in sort of an unfiltered way, and, and I struggle because I want to be mindful, babe, of you and not reveal too much. And Oh, but you didn't have a problem putting me on the spot before. <laughs> <laughs> I also know we can edit anything out if you don't want it. We've never had yeah, to. just roll with but it. But if there's something you don't like, we can, we can edit it out. But I, I mean, I want to preserve our relationship more than I want to create a good podcast that's the truth people I'm sorry like my first priority babe is you and I think what holds me back is the idea that you might have your feelings hurt or even your ego a little bruised but what I have to remind myself of is that if my fantasy does upset you that's also okay because we can have a conversation about that and move forward like I've upset you and hurt you in many ways over the last 17 years. So That's why great, do we yeah. make sex so special? And on top of that, even if you are hurt and even if it it's not great in the moment, if it means that you guys are having a conversation after, chances are that that conversation you're going to have is going to strengthen and make things better in the future. Right. So sometimes it's short-term pain for long-term gain. Yeah, that's that's well put because we we run into that where you can say something that just doesn't feel good for me in the moment. Yeah, you go from hero to zero in a heartbeat. Yeah, you really are loving these uh, little sayings right I now. Got, right? I got them all down today, man. <laughs> all these rhymes. <laughs> but yeah, and, and even though I might be hurt in the moment, then we can talk about how to better navigate it in the future. So there's nothing lost there. No, it sucks in the moment sometimes because if you're having sex or you're starting and then all of a sudden it does kind of kill the mood or it does spark a conversation where you don't want to talk you want to have sex uh, you have to remember or at least i remember that this conversation hopefully in the future will make it better um will only amplify <laughs> our sex life in again down the road yeah and it's not the last time we're having sex i sure hope not <laughs> so i i hope that's helpful um i mean there are some people bottom line who won't talk about their fantasies but I do think if you can frame the conversation differently and know that the way you fantasize may not be the way she fantasizes because some people have really explicit, specific fantasies and others just have kind of fleeting thoughts that turn them on and neither is really better than the other. So I say, I suggest keep trying. And if, if a fantasy discussion doesn't go well, that's okay too. Some of the most important conversations are actually the ones that are tense and maybe are even like arguments. So give it, I mean, I would just say. Sometimes the hardest conversations we've had have been the best conversations. Yeah. And sometimes the biggest mistakes we've made in sex and maybe one day, like there's one mistake in particular that I don't think I'm comfortable talking about quite yet with other people, but I, I think you know which one I'm talking about. Yep. Um, it was a big mistake and it was a lot of hurt and when we got over it and moved forward from it, it made our relationship so much better. But at the time, it hurt really badly. Yeah, 
And I was really hung up on it. And I can't get into that right now. And I think we don't usually prepare for these podcasts and say, oh, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? But I think if we were to talk about that incident, because it's so sensitive, um, I think we'd have to talk about it ahead of time. I also hope that your listeners know that I do not prepare my commentary. (laughs) Because if I did, that would not be, that would not reflect well on me. I think that they might have known from when you said, hi, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. What's my, my intro. name? What's my name? Line. Um, line. Line, please. I'm drawing a blank. Okay, so we have to stop there because Brandon has to go. I have many more questions to answer, and I'm going to do my best to get to them in the upcoming weeks with Brandon as a guest as well as with others. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you, baby, for Thanks being for here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you did well. What's your name? Line. <laughs> line, please. And a big thank you to at Desire Resorts for your ongoing support of both Sex with Dr. Jess and Happier Couples and, of course, this podcast. Folks, check them out online. Check out my event calendar to see the dates when we'll be down there in October. And follow along at Sex with Dr. Jess on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you are looking for Brandon, because he's definitely nice to look at, <laughs> check out at Where in Toronto. You'll find him off my Instagram as well. Have a fabulous week. We'll be back with you every Friday, 9 a.m. Have a great one, folks. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.